Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. Now to introduce Lauren Michaels, Herb Schlosser, Chairman of the Board of Trustees of the Museum of the Moving Image. While Herb was president of NBC, he put Saturday Night Live on the air, so there's no one more fitting as an introducer tonight. Herb. Back in uh, 1975, in the spring, NBC began to think about putting a program on at 11.30 at night. We had the Today Show and the Tonight Show, which were very successful uh, under the brilliant Pat Weaver, and we put on some other late-night programs, and they always worked. So we decided that we would do it. We only had three conditions that we would like to achieve to begin with. One was that it be live, that it be in the Toscanini studio uh, that was created by General Sarnoff for the NBC Symphony Orchestra, and uh, that it uh, go on at 11.30 at night. Now, we were thinking, because Johnny Carson had left New York for California and the building was without that activity and excitement, that we would do a kind of hipper version of The Tonight Show uh, with younger people and so forth and so on. And then we hired a 30-year-old writer called Lorne Michaels, and we got so much more than we ever bargained for. Dick Ebersole, who was in the uh, program department, was the program executive, but Lorne created the show, and it had certain characteristics. It had brilliant writing, the casting was outstanding, And most important, Lorne was not afraid. He was willing to test the limits of what the executives would permit and test the audience as well. And he was willing to put pins into balloons, say outrageous things, and he created something new. And Lorne got the respect of the audience. He had great audiences. And beyond that, he got the respect of the entire creative community. And it was a great success. And it goes on today after 33 years. There's really no other show that has managed to achieve that. And as you've seen tonight, then in the political realm, there's no program which every four years um, creates the kind of excitement that Saturday Night Live does. And as it did last Saturday night, if some of you saw it, uh, I was told by one of the NBC executives uh, that last Saturday's show had the highest opening rating of any show in seven or eight years. I mean, it, it really captures the imagination of the country. And Lorne did it. He did it. And NBC and the country has benefited from it. Uh, the talent that the show has developed uh, has gone on to motion pictures and other areas, I think that if you added up the gross of all the movies of the Saturday Night Live talent, you'd be talking about many billions of dollars. Its impact has been huge, and it still continues, and it's my pleasure to introduce 
Lauren Michaels. Now, the panel will be moderated by David Schwartz, whom you saw just a few moments ago. And the other panelists are James Downey, a writer for Saturday Night Live. He's been with the show since 1976 and has written uh, many, if not most, of the political sketches. And... uh, Seth Myers, Seth is in his eighth season on the show. He's the head writer and weekend update co-anchor, and Amy Poehler. She's in her seventh season on the show and Weekend Update co-anchor. And uh, she's played Hillary, as you've seen. And now she has a, uh, a, a, a great uh, um, career, I believe, in motion pictures as well. So before I, I was going to start originally by talking about um, Gerald Ford and Chevy Chase, but since um, everybody is talking about Sarah Palin these days, let's uh, get into this sketch that you just did. As background, let's talk um, a little bit about Hillary, because the sketch combined Hillary and Sarah Palin. And um, I just want to remind people of the impact that the show had Way back, it seems like years ago, but it was in the, um, March, I guess, late February when Hillary appeared on the show. And the sketch led to an actual mention of Saturday Night Live in a, in a real debate. And then Hillary came on in person. Um, so we see sort of politics and entertainment playing interesting roles. So let's, let's talk first about that sketch and, and Hillary's appearances um, earlier. Well, uh, Jim wrote the, uh, the debate piece, the, uh, the first sort of Hillary Obama debate piece, and uh, the thrust of it <laughs> uh, was that the media was infatuated with Obama. And uh, I think uh, I, I think it was a very, it wouldn't have gotten the reaction it got if it hadn't uh, you know, resonated. And then I think that uh, sent the, the Hillary people off in a, in a trajectory and, and they wanted to come on the show, and uh, she mentioned it uh, in one of the debates. And it wasted a lot of time. Yeah, it wasted everyone's part. Yeah. And could you talk about what it was like uh, creating the impersonation and then actually dealing with having to do a sketch with the real Hillary? Well, it's always weird to be <laughs> next to someone dressed as them, <laughs> no matter if they're a politician or not. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, it, uh, it was what you would imagine it would be, kind of surreal. And, um, but you get used to, at, on SNL, having very uh, surreal moments on that show. Um, and, yeah, it was, 
you know, I, 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 I don't consider myself a really great impersonator, and so I uh, uh, wouldn't say that I probably sound very much like her or even look like her, but, but, I, but I, I think with uh, Jim's guidance in terms of him writing the pieces and kind of helping me find a, a voice, I think um, it was interesting over the last couple of years to try to find what, what, what you could kind of play about her. There's a, there's a thing that happens on the show, too. Uh, uh, Amy is a great example of it. Uh, Dana Carvey, when he was doing uh, the first President Bush, there's a point for me uh, where you sort of start watching Dana do Bush or her do Hillary, and you, you begin, when you see the real person, they sort of disappoint you a little. <laughs> uh, uh, because they've encapsulated some essence of them, and they right. become characters as opposed to impressions. Right. Well, I think as viewers, we all sort of wait to see how that person is going to get the SNL treatment because in a way that becomes a, a job of what of the show is to sort of get at this essence that you're talking about. Could you talk about what your thinking was? Like, when did you first uh, see Sarah Palin and start to put this, uh, the idea together of how you were going to treat well, her? It seemed like, you know, when you have, uh, you only have this one opportunity a year to sort of have a lot of time to think of what the story of sort of the summer is. And it seemed like at the time we came back, it was Sarah Palin. Now we only have, you know, five days to come up with something for, for this week. I think it's still Sarah Palin. It might still be Sarah Palin, unfortunately. Uh, thank you, Sarah Palin. Um, but so we, we wanted to do a piece about that. And, you know, the, I think the trick with all these people is to try to come out as, um, as, as sort of fair and even-handed as possible. And it seemed to make sense as well when you have, you know, obviously, you know, we had Tina Fey back and, and we had Amy. Um, and uh, uh, the... Uh, the least amount of applause. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tina would be furious at that amount of yeah. um, But, you know, when you have faith with two performers, you put them out there, there's going to be a natural charisma. Um, so you have that. And it was a nice way to sort of use Hillary's, um, uh, what we believe is probably her uh, disappointment that Sarah Palin is closer to the White House than her. Using that idea was made it safer to sort of uh, mention things about Sarah Palin without it looking like sort of an attack piece, which is, I think, is always the fear. Um, a lot of sexual chemistry. A lot of sexual chemistry. <laughs> Well, you know, my dream is you, Tina, and a podium. <laughs> um, but it was really nice, you know, uh, because uh, uh, once we came up with the premise, which was a fairly simple one, um, a lot of people sort of pitched in uh, with different jokes. And it was one of the more um, uh, fluid pieces we've done in that it was changing up until, you know, the last minute. And uh, I think the results turned out okay. Yeah. Uh, up until like five minutes before it went on, I was playing Palin. Right. That was a really? terrible decision. <laughs> Lauren caught it. Lauren was like, just, should we switch it? Like, That's why you're not I knew there was something money. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what, you're obviously looking for laughs. I mean, that's what makes the show work. But, but you know that, the, that your comedy does have some sort of impact. I mean, there have been times... Uh, we'll talk about Al Gore and the debates a little bit later, but you must have some sense that what you do is going to have an impact on how people think of Sarah Palin. Do you think about this or not? Or how do you deal yeah, with I, it? Yeah, I, I think you think about it, but uh, the thing you think about first is whether it's going to work and whether it's going to be funny and, and if the take is original and, and fresh enough. And uh, I think you can't think about um, the fate of Western civilization. And, <laughs> and we don't, you know, we're part of it. But we're not, nobody's making, honestly, nobody's going into the booth and going, you know, I, I, I watch SNL and now I'm clear <laughs> on, uh, you know, on what to do. I think it's that we're just, 
we're just part of it, and um, and invariably we're part of it because we deal with the small part of it. Right. We don't try and deal with you know uh, 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 in that grandiose way of what's best for the country, and right. uh, you know it's uh, and if. Again, none of this stuff works unless it's uh, you know hits pretty close. You can't go out there and and, uh, and just do a partisan rant. I mean, you can do that if you're on MSNBC, but you can't <laughs> you can't really do it. Uh, you can't really do it. Yeah. Uh, and in comedy, because if you lose the audience, you lose them real fast. But was it odd then to see that when you did the sketch the sketch about Hillary? that the mainstream media started sort of repeating this idea that she was getting it too, uh, or that she was getting the hard questions. I mean, that showed up in the, and seemed to actually have an impact in the real debates. I feel like the media also, like, you know, that piece was, was a more criticism of the media than anything else. Or, and, um, so I think there was just a sort of an inner delight that the piece was about the media. Right. And then the media started talking about the media, and, uh, right. and then they were like, are we doing this? <laughs> Um, and, and, and no then, one, no all one part of the plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and no one follows the press more avidly than the press. Right, yeah. right. But then, of course, you know, it, it, the, the, the snake sort of ate its own tail when Hillary mentioned it um, in, the, in the debate the next week. And we're not 100% sure she ever saw it. No. no. I, doesn't, there's no evidence from yeah, the, the right, way she quoted it. Yeah. No, we, I was, we, we one time were, were talking about doing a. Uh, like a show called The Nielsen's. Do you remember that? And we decided it would be the highest rated show ever on television. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, we should have done that. We should have. Yeah. It's not too late. No. Okay, so, um, well, let's take, I guess, um, based on what Herb said and the, about the ratings for the show and the internet viewings, I guess most of you have seen the sketch that ran on Saturday, in case you haven't or just want to see it with a live audience here. Let's run this, um, the opening sketch of Saturday Night's Show with uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And now, a nonpartisan message from Governor Sarah Palin and Senator Hillary Clinton. I was so excited when I was told Senator Clinton and I would be addressing you tonight. And I was told I would be addressing you alone. Now, I know it must be a little bit strange for all of you to see the two of us together. What with me being John McCain's running mate and me being a fervent supporter of Senator Barack Obama, (laughs) as evidenced by this button. (laughs) But tonight, we are crossing party lines to address the now very ugly role that sexism is playing in the campaign. An issue which I am frankly surprised to hear people suddenly care about. (laughs) You know... Hillary and I don't agree on everything. Anything. <laughs> I believe that diplomacy should be the cornerstone of any foreign policy. And I can see Russia from my house. <laughs> Global warming is caused by man. And I believe it's just God hugging us closer. (laughs) 
don't agree with the Bush doctrine. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> but Sarah, one thing we can agree on is that sexism can never be allowed to permeate an American election. So please, stop photoshopping my head on sexy bikini pictures. <laughs> and stop saying I have cankles. <laughs> don't refer to me as a MILF. <laughs> and don't refer to me as a flurge. I googled what it stands for and I do not like it. <laughs> Reporters and commentators, stop using words that diminish us like pretty, attractive, beautiful. Harpy, shrew, <laughs> boner shrinker. While our politics may differ, my friend and I are both very tough ladies. You know, it reminds me of a joke we tell in Alaska. Oh boy. What's the difference Lipstick. between a hockey mom Lipstick. and a pit bull? Lipstick. Lipstick. There you go. <laughs> Just look at how far we've come. Hillary Clinton, who came so close to the White House, and me, Sarah Palin, who is even closer. <laughs> Can you believe it, Hillary? <laughs> I cannot! It's truly amazing, and I think women everywhere can agree that no matter your politics, it's time for a woman to make it to the White House. No! It's supposed to be mine. I'm sorry, I need to say something. I didn't want a woman to be president. I wanted to be president, and I just happened to be a woman. And I, I don't want to hear you compare your road to the White House to my road to the White House. I scratched and clawed through mud and barbed wire, and you just glided in on a dog sled. time we live in. Mm. To think that just two years ago, I was a small town mayor of Alaska's crystal meth capital. <laughs> and now I am just one heartbeat away from being president of the United States. It just goes to show that anyone can be president. Anyone. 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 <laughs> All you have to do is want it. <laughs> Looking back, if I could change one thing, I probably should have wanted it more. <laughs> so, in the next six weeks, I invite the media to be vigilant for sexist behavior. Although it is never sexist to question female politicians' credentials, please ask this one about dinosaurs. <laughs> in conclusion, I invite the media to grow a pair. And if you can't, I will lend you mine. And as we say in Alaska, we say it everywhere.
No, that's me laughing. <laughs> did, did you, um, what, what has the response been, like, politically? Do you get responses from people who say you were too hard on her to, uh, you know, when, is Joe, when are we going to see the Joe Biden sketch? Uh, you know, do people sort of gauge what you should be doing politically? I think it's one of those interesting things, which is, uh, I think, probably people who are on the left think it was, you know, uh, just hard enough, and I bet people on the right love it, too. I mean, I think that, like, I bet, I mean, the Palin people were perfectly happy with that as well, yeah. which is the weird thing. <laughs> I mean, even with not doing political sketches, like, if you, I've done impersonations of people in the past that are not that flattering, and then you meet them, and they're like, oh, my God, that was the best, because they just like the cultural significance of, like, being on the show. Well, the report was that she watched it on the campaign plane and said that she was happy because she used to dress as Tina Fey at Halloween parties. <laughs> so we lucked into that. Right. <laughs> um, but, but it covers a lot of ground, that sketch. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of topics, a lot of the issues that came up during Hillary's campaign. Could you talk a bit about how, like, just how this sketch evolved or were there re- other rejected Palin sketches that you could tell us about that you didn't do? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Let's talk about the ones we didn't do. Um, it is funny like how there are moments in it, anything that gets a little preachy um, doesn't work quite as well. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, the jokes, you certainly watch it again, you're happier with the jokes than anything like um, uh, that, that sort of takes the high road. I think that you always have mm-hmm. to remember when we write these pieces. Um, I also want to add that the last word we added to that sketch was boner shrinker. <laughs> and uh, as I heard that, I was like, why are we on a panel for a museum? <laughs> what have we done? Yeah. That, that, that was a change from boner killer. It was boner killer. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but it was boner killer. <laughs> and surprisingly, boner killer chilled the audience, but people love boner shrinker. Yeah. <laughs> and, and did a lot of people look up flourish? Uh, I don't know, but it does not stand for anything. I was going to ask. Nothing. What does it mean? No. There was a a couple funny people that were like, oh, I know what that stands for. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) We just liked that there was a term that people had created just to call Hillary Clinton. Right. And nobody knows what it is. (laughs) Did you guys... um, watch Saturday Night Live growing up. I have such indelible memories of all these, you know, all the sketches that we saw on that opening reel. I vividly remember each of them. Just wondering oh. what your memories are and what sketches made the impression. I absolutely did. And in fact, when you're younger, you, you watch the political stuff in a different way. I mean, at least I did when I was younger. You don't really know who the people are or the issues are. You like them as characters. Like, you know, you just like, um, you know, I didn't know who when I was, well, I wasn't born when it, no, no, um, no, um, let's see, what was it, when it was 70, um, so I was four, yeah. so I don't, I, you know, the first cast, um, I, I was in love with Eddie Murphy, that was who, was, who was my person at the time, but the first, all the, like, the Ford stuff, I didn't get it, I didn't mm-hmm. get what was, other than I loved Chevy falling down. <laughs> and from a very young age, I read the New York Times, so I did get all those jokes. <laughs> uh, but again, that's, I think I'm the unique one, though. I think most people would be. <laughs> the show that taught me my sensibilities about doing political writing is now the show I work on. And most of those pieces were written by Jim as I started to work. I realized that. He holds it over me. Um, for sure. Uh, so what was it like from the very beginning? Because I think Chevy, the, the impersonation of Gerald Ford and the way that that became sort of part of the race, and then Ron Nesson, the White House press secretary, 
Yeah. I guess he asked to be on the show. So, uh, yeah. so politics on the show were married right from the Bar- beginning. Right from, but we came on you know, right after Watergate, and everyone had watched the hearings for six months. And I, and I think it was just part of what, uh, where that generation was at the time. And I, I think one of the sort of bold things, which seems not at all bold now, but uh, was when Chevy did Gerald Ford, which was, I think, from the, the fifth or sixth show, he made absolutely no effort to look like Gerald Ford. Right. Uh, and I think that was sort of um, the, uh, and I, I remember this moment, first time he was doing it, and we were sort of a little tense over doing it. And um, he, there was a moment before the first laugh when he didn't hear the first laugh, so he sneezed into his tie. <laughs> and I thought, you can't do that with the President of the United States, but evidently you could. <laughs> uh, so I think that uh, it just sort of matured into, you know, uh, you know, into people looking like, uh, you know, the people they're playing, and, and it, it got more sophisticated. I, uh, the, the very first debate, which they showed a bit of, which was Ford Carter, you know, that high point of, uh, I didn't know that there would be any math, uh, sort of encapsulated the take on Ford. And, and uh, Carter, talking that kid down from a bad acid trip, sort of <laughs> summarized, uh, you know, everything we thought about Carter. We, uh, we t- opted, particularly in the 80s, with like Dukakis After Dark, which is a gym piece. The, the, uh, they just got silly, you know, and... Uh, and fun, and I think if they're not fun, then it's like it's like taking medicine. You know, not that the op-ed page isn't a lot of fun, <laughs> but um, you know, that's, our job is is to uh, find a way to make it uh, light and work. The uh, the Reagan sketch was brilliant because a lot of times, you know, the the way to make fun of candidates or presidents is to pretend that they're dumb. You know, and, and the idea that Reagan had this sort of false, happy persona, and it was totally different when he was behind the scenes. It was a brilliant idea. Jim was involved in that. Talk about that, Jim. Yeah, go ahead. Talk about that. Um, That's very cute. Um, it, was, uh, it was actually like, I think five of us wrote that. It was unusual in that it was sort of a gang-written uh, piece. And, and I think the, thing, the only thing that, that uh, was essential was the fact that, that Phil Hartman could could handle that all that speed stuff we had him like speaking Arabic and German and he was like trading uh, Swiss marks for francs and stuff on the phone and then like well yeah you know we'd go out and do the thing Um, we had Jimmy Stewart I think interrupt him or something but but um, yeah that was um, that I mean that's one that people I suppose just because uh, so many people still don't like Reagan they keep bringing up to me um but Phil Hartman was really the, the you couldn't have done that with, with a lot of performers. Yeah. You certainly could with Amy and Seth. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, or Dan Aykroyd. But I, I think that one of the things that uh, was difficult about Reagan, and, and I think is very much uh, the problem we have with Bush, uh, this president, in, in the last few years, is when the audience knows everything there is to know about them, there's nothing, uh, it's very hard to find an edge. I mean, so much of the criticism of Reagan uh, in, in his first term and then, you know, a, a much more so in the second term was that he was old, he was an actor, he was a generalist, you know, and but the audience was way ahead. Well, we the, also yeah. kind of lucked out with Reagan in that 
you and I were away from the show yeah, for his true. entire first term. Yeah, and, which and, was uh, a plan. <laughs> we, we, um, actually, I had come back a year before yeah. Warren and I had written a piece, which I only mentioned because I was exactly right in the politics. Forget the comedy, but it was a piece in the 84 election. It was um, Mondale uh, planning uh, his campaign to win Minnesota. Yeah. So it was like the big war room had a map of the right. state. And it was like... Um, you know, like sending people into different counties and stuff. <laughs> and that was the only state he won. But, um, but then when we, we got to um, uh, the second term, um, I guess we were there for the full second yeah. term, pretty much. Yeah. And, and um, we had an easier time. What happened to us with, um, you know, Bush Sr. was one term. Uh, Clinton, different things kept happening to him. I wasn't really at the show for the last two years of Clinton's term. But... Um, the problem with George W. is that in for eight years, I myself, I mean, I'm the guy who came up with strategy, and I got sort of bored with the, you know, the mispronunciation kind of thing. And then also when Will left the show, I think it's safe to talk about this, I mean, there was a problem that we cast about. I think Daryl tried him I think it was, the I think first, Will. and then we went to yeah. Parnell, yep. and then we went back to Daryl, and then we went to Will Forte. Yeah. And so by the time... Like that clip you showed from the thing I wrote with, with you know, for, yeah. for Bush Carey. Um, I, for I'm trying to remember, who's he in that piece? Oh, yeah, he's Bush. <laughs> and, and, and this, it's nice to, for our purposes, it'd be nice if they changed every four years. Yeah. I think, because you get, <laughs> you know. Term limits. So, yeah. Looking at some of those clips, though, I remember how much I loved Hartman's Clinton and how much I loved Daryl's Clinton, too. Yeah. Those are, they did... You know, they're, they're very different, they're but very one, different. one of the pre- pleasant surprises for me, I wrote, we had not done Carter since he was president. I mean, there wasn't a lot of reason to. And, and then there was a thing a few years ago where he went down to Cuba, and I remember writing a piece where Daryl did, um, did Carter talking to Castro with uh, Maya as, as like his uh, translator. I, always, I love writing foreign language pieces with translation. It's sort of a tick I have. But, um, <laughs> but Daryl did the cruelest, which is to say the funniest, Carter I've ever seen because he had every kind of like those weird facial pops in the, the thing and uh, do you guys remember that yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know I'd love to have Daryl do Carter again anytime well he did it last season didn't he yeah, yeah. yeah. he did a Larry King piece where yeah. Larry King was he had just written a book and Larry King was like now do you expect anyone to buy this book <laughs> but he has that thing where his eyes suddenly go yeah. You know, it's like for no good reason. It's interesting um, to watch Daryl sort of as you talk about these impressions because, like, uh, you know, I do think there's this sort of two kinds of impressions, you know, the ones where you make it a character and then Daryl, and then there's ones where you're sort of uh, um, just a technician about it. And I think Daryl's the one who. Yeah, Daryl's like inductive where he like assembles the impressions from like a thousand little elements. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the broad stroke kind of coming from the other direction. Yeah. It's but also it's, that, that voice is gore, you know, yeah. kind of leads you because you. Noticing the wig he was wearing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, it's there, funny though. Yeah. Like Daryl will come to you when you like write. Like in recent years, when you've written a gore piece, he's like, "Do you want two thousand gore? Do you want now gore?" Because like he's actually noticed that gore changes, and then he does yeah. a gore that's not sort of the greatest hits gore. And you're like, "Well, I think just do the two thousand gore that everyone yeah. loves." And in his head, he's like. All right. We're going to get letters on that. Yeah, a lot of letters. There were a few different 2,000 gores. I mean, the famous story was that after the first debate with all the sighing, that, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that gores... I can actually vouch for it. Okay, so that gores' advisor sat him down and said, look at this sketch. 
from Saturday Night Live, and then he went out and, and uh, changed I, his performance in the I second had something. Okay. I was at Al Franken's apartment, and we were doing a, <laughs> we were writing wraparounds for a... Right. That's right, the Al Franken. <laughs> and, um, I, and, and we were writing wraparounds for this political best of, and there's going to be another one, uh, Presidential Bash, coming up November 2nd, Sunday, 9? Nine? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> um, anyway, and so, and this guy who I suppose I could name him, um, maybe I shouldn't. It's true though, Eli Addy. He worked for, <laughs> he worked for the Gore campaign, and he, and he calls Franken up while we're working, and he goes, and Al's like, ah, maybe I should do this later. I go, no, no, do it now. I want to hear this. And and so they were talking. They just shown Gore the piece, and so I, I know because Eli, I got on the extension and eavesdropped, and actually, and so. And so he was explaining how, no, like, we, we made him watch it because um, it's really, um, and, uh, and, and, and then I watched the next debate, and he sort of went from, because it was all the sighing yeah. and the sort of the bullying yeah. stuff, and then he was, he was just such a little, little wallflower yeah. in the next one. That was, made it more fun because it was like, it, like you say, it was like three different gores, yeah. and then it kind of evened out by the, they had a town hall debate where... It was just kind of a, a, a lot of like special pleader kind of questions from the audience, if right. you remember that one. Um, but there really were three different gores, and also a couple different bushes, because the second one, he was able to, you know, that was the one where they really, really schooled Bush on a few basic things. Right. So he would kept <laughs> mentioning like obscure, you know, members of the Nigerian cabinet. Right. And stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, speaking of uh, Democratic candidates who are painful to watch at times, let's, um, what was it like playing John Kerry, you know, building up that um, person? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a comedy jackpot. Um, <laughs> I was lucky in that, you know, Jim was uh, writing great stuff for it, but it's, it's hard when, you know, you try, to, like, um, you try to find something to exaggerate, and when it's gravitas, you know, that it's is the only, I guess It's the only Kerry impression I've ever seen. He's not an easy impression. No. I actually thought you did a great yeah. job, yeah. because That's, anyone uh, will tell you that there's some... Hillary Clinton is really hard. Yeah. I'd say Kerry is, is just about as hard. And I, I think it was he let you down. Oh, he definitely did. <laughs> he definitely did. It's funny, like, I realized in recent years how you feel people be like, like you know, I've said about, like, like, Bush, like, people want to vote for people they think they'd like to have a beer with. And I was actually at a Red Sox game last year, and uh, John Kerry was there, and I was actually having a beer with him. I'm like, you should always vote for the other guy. It'll increase your chance of having a beer with the loser. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, but it was you know it was uh, it was it was great. I mean, like it is thrilling to be in an SNL debate sketch. It's thrilling to be in a cold open. It's thrilling to say live from New York. Yeah, and, it is. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's as simple as that. And the debates are so perfectly. Um, there's such a perfect uh, design for us to write sketches about because then the sketch you you're making fun of both sides just by design because both sides are, are, are performing at the debates. So what's your plan for the first debate which is on a Friday night? Yeah. Jesus, give us a break. Jim's already got, already got it done. Um, yeah. Monday, it's Monday. We'll probably, probably have some prefab stuff yeah. that you can imagine is likely to come up and then just have a hellish night and uh, hope for the best. Really. Yeah. I think there's, a, there's another point I, that uh, sort of gets lost a little bit which is that there's also, the likability of the cast member playing the person. Yeah. I think uh, Hillary's, uh, Amy's Hillary is a perfect example of it uh, because Amy is one of our the best loved people ever at the show. And, and you sort of, people like. 
I didn't mean to uh, do that. What I meant with it was, was that if you, like, if you like Will Ferrell and he does strategery, you're more on the side of Bush right. because you like who's playing him. You know, and I, I think there's, if you feel a connection, it, it wouldn't, uh, the fact that the audience already liked Chevy and him doing Gerald Ford as a, you know, a guy who, who falls down. I mean, I'd like to say we had more of a take than that. But, uh, it was very early days. And, uh, we didn't have was, the budget. We didn't have the budget then, you know. Uh, but, you know, it's that uh, there's also connecting with the performer. And I think if you like the person doing it, that, ha- that, that has an influence. So you've probably been surprised when some of the people you were spoofing adopted these performers as friends. Like George, the first George Bush, I guess, was quite friendly and enjoyed oh, totally. Carvey's. And, and what was so interesting about the Sarah Palin thing was that we, we, there are at least there are two people at the show right now who could do her and do her perfectly. But that was the situation where the audience just cast Tina Fey. Right. Uh, I, you know, emails, you know, letter, you just, everybody you talk to, go, what a gift, huh? You know, <laughs> you can have so much fun with Tina Fey. But, you know, when I go, well, she's not, she's actually on her own show now. You know, but, it, <laughs> it's a, uh, but it was like that, the audience sort of felt that's what they wanted to see. And then when that moment came together, which it did, I think... Uh, now they're all going to want money because they all think they thought yeah. of it. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> it was yeah. a collective scratch yeah, to a giant the, itch. That's what the rebate was for. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, well, you sort of answered this before, but do you think it's true that many people get their political news from comedy or their ideas about political... This is something that we hear a lot, that, that young people you know, get their news more from The Daily Show than watching TV news. Uh, you know, this Sunday there were two lengthy pieces in print in the New York Times and Washington Post about Sarah Palin, long investigative pieces um, that were important if people read them, but probably many more people saw your show. And, and but, but, but the people who write these things read them. Right. So, I mean, it's just a distillation of the same information, uh, you know, with a point of view. And, and, and I think that uh, you can encapsulate it. I mean... There are lots of, you know, there are lots of op-ed writers, particularly at the Times, who can be very funny and, and, and witty, and, and that's part of what, what they do, but they do it in a different form. Ours is, we just have to distill it. I mean, you could tell from uh, Tina kind of waving from the first moment she spoke that they were, they were there with it, that it got something right. And, and in the same way with, you know, with, with Hillary, you kind of go, I don't think it's in any way her Hillary is her Hillary. You know, it's, it's not like you go, God, she's similar to, uh, to what Amy does. It's yeah. like we have a character Hillary is continually put upon. <laughs> you know, it's, it's continually always, uh, um, you know, at, at the point of, um, you know, explosive rage. So since I- <laughs> Bending the thing off. Yeah. Since I brought up news, and te- could you talk about your approach to Weekend Update and how you sort of deal with the news as it's breaking during the week and decide yeah. how you're going uh, to. One that of the together. nice things about um, Weekend Update, it's sort of a last stop for any stories that have sort of uh, slipped through our fingers because, you know, at the later in the week, the harder it is to sort of build a set or anything like that. But, you know, we have our features, which are people who come on and do pieces. So we can always cover uh, stuff there. And it's also been a really nice home in the last sort of year for. Uh, political candidates to come on. 
Right. You know, you get them there, and it's it's just nice to um, it's nice for us to have pictures of them at the desk, to be honest. <laughs> um, but it's it's you know it's good. You know, we obviously we we try to open covering uh, uh, you know what our top hard news stories, and then you know as weekend update rolls on, there's sort of more sillier jokes. Um, you know, but but it is still for us like it is a uh, it's a you know it's a parody of a news show. It's not um, it's I would not uh, I would not get your news from Weekend Update. Oh God! <laughs> Yikes! But I think on cable people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I think Children the Daily Show and Cooper, yeah. you know, those aren't bad places to get your yeah. news. Um, but this it, is yeah. yeah. And how do you deal with the fact that when a politician comes on the show, they really are seeking some political gain? I mean, when Hillary appeared on the show. I mean, she has an agenda when Barack Obama appears. I mean, I guess when Huckabee appeared, it was a bit late in the game for him. Yeah. But, but, uh, but Huckabee was on his gift well, basket part of running for president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. Um, I said, I was like, why are you still in the race? He's like, well, would you have had me if I wasn't? Yeah. <laughs> that was the whole raison d'etre of Al Sharpton's run, I yeah, think, right. was, the, yeah. was the per diem. But, um, <laughs> the, um, when I about this is back before the year before you came, Jesse Jackson hosted the show, right. and you know they they always you know obviously anything that that they do enhances the, your writing much. It's much cooler than like one of our people in person. I'm in that sense. On the other hand, for that very reason, they're not going to do everything. Yeah. And I remember when Jesse Jackson this takes goes way back for a lot of you here tonight, but. He was the Rainbow Coalition was like the black, brown, you know, yellow, everybody. And so I want him to do this piece about, like, you know, he does the Rainbow Coalition thing. He says, but that doesn't mean we have to take everybody in the Rainbow <laughs> Coalition. So it was a list of all the groups not welcome. And then, in the Rainbow Coalition, it was like, it was like, of course, it was an insane thing that I ever right. thought he would do it. But I'm sitting there with, with him and his guys. It's like, won't do that, won't do that, won't do that, won't do that. It was like, like three things were left. And, and just this spring, McCain, I wrote a piece for McCain about, you know, he's the big pork buster, and, and there were certain outrageous programs right. that, that are just, why are we spending money on this? And I remember one of them was, um, well, I would so love to see John McCain do this on television, but it was like, uh, and what about this, uh, $150 million to the Department of Justice for a, a program that notifies uh, c- uh, you know, uh, convicted sex offenders when a child moves into his neighborhood. <laughs> and, <laughs> it was one. It was one that please just don't read the script yeah. until you're out there. And, <laughs> but they they were too they were too smart for me. Right. And uh, it was like um, uh, Senator, really? Just come on, just take another. You know, no, it's not. Gonna, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they have to maintain a certain level of gravitas. Right. But um, but does it have to be that? Hard? Yeah, no. <laughs> but I, I, I. But you know, uh, I, I think. You know, it's hard to trust someone with, with no apparent sense of humor. When, uh, well, when Al Gore did that hot tub sketch, people were speculating whether he was going to run or not. Yeah, no, it was that, that weekend. That, that, be, that was the yeah. weekend he announced he wasn't going to run. And, that was, and he was very was loose on the show. He was, he, he, he was ready to do anything on the show. And we were yeah. saying, Even if that ran. week, we were saying he's not going to run. Because he was saying yes to so many pieces. And, yeah. <laughs> and also, <laughs> also, I think uh, if more people had seen that Al Gore... Uh, in 2000, I think it would have uh, uh, had an effect. I, but I remember seeing... He did like, win the was, popular vote, didn't he? Yeah, he right. did. Yeah, right. But I remember seeing... I think it was Bob Dole or somebody was on, was on saying, uh, the moment I saw that hot tub thing, I knew Al's not running for president. <laughs> right. Right. I will say it's very... Uh, 
for me, the joy is when when uh, political because Al Gore came back and did the address a few years ago as if it was in an alternate universe, as if he had won. Uh, right. President, and things weren't going well. Um, there, the glaciers were so strong; they were like encroaching on Minnesota. Um, and George Bush was the commissioner of baseball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, he was he was so loose. But there were a few things. I forget who was on this. He was a Supreme Court justice joke about. Uh, he put somebody on the Supreme Court, like Michael. Well, there was some joke he didn't want to do, and it's really funny. Michael Moore. Michael, Michael Moore, Moore, maybe, joke? but Lauren. <laughs> Lauren is very funny because uh, they're like, I just, I can't do it. Lauren, he goes, well, just, just try it. And it's really great to have them be like, they, they, they are used to being, uh, having people agree with them right away. And Lauren's well, advice is always just to get it up on its feet. I, I, I wrote a piece that, that was the opening of the last show. It had nothing to do with politics, but it was, a, it was just a high school graduation where it was all the filthy names like, you know, come on, I want to lay and stuff. Right. And Lauren thought it would be fun to have John McCain in it as a faculty member. <laughs> so I have a great tape of McCain laughing at the crudest stuff. Yeah, he loved it. That he time. loved it, yeah. But then we had, his people said he, the senator can't. Yeah, yeah because, and, and the reason he couldn't, I, I think he has a great sense of humor, mm-hmm. and, and you right. can tell it by the, because uh, uh, he was hearing those names for the first time, and uh, it, it was truly, really funny. But, I think that th- we live in a time now where that becomes an attack ad. You know, right. everything becomes an attack ad. At, at worst, you know, at, at, the, at the minimum on the internet. Well, there, is a, there is an attack ad against Al Franken out now that uses his, like, comedy rantings and, um, you know, put together to make him look, er- you know, erratic and insane. You that, should see the stuff we saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unfair to do that now. Uh, no, I mean, it's... it's um, I think there's a certain behavior that you want, uh, you know, obviously when someone's in office. But I think that, uh, I guess my point of view is that you can be a very serious person and be funny. Whose idea was it to get Jesse Jackson to do Green Eggs and Ham? That was a brilliant... That's Franken. Yeah. That's Franken. Yeah. 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 I think that yeah. was him. I took a yeah. shower with John McCain. That's true. <laughs> That's right. I wrote that piece. You wrote yep. it. He was a stalker, and he was right yeah. in my shower. Yeah, I did a Lifetime show. movie. It was a Lifetime with movie. With John McCain. Yeah. <laughs> I, only so I could have, like, um, the, title, the, the title with the, uh, um, you know, Ted, played by Senator John McCain, <laughs> Republican Arizona. <laughs> um, I, I think that... Uh, I, I want to go back to that for a moment. The shower? That, well, it was... No, good. I think... <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I think that um, you, you want, you have to believe that people uh, have a sense of humor about themselves because I don't think anybody can be serious for four years, you know, uh, there's, and so the idea that it's off camera, that that part of them doesn't get shown is, um, it's not realistic. So you did get, I mean... You got George W. Bush to be on just shortly before the election, kind of. Both of them, yeah, both, they, yeah. both came on the presidential bash. Yeah. yeah, you know, weirdly, they they the one thing both campaigns said. You remember this that that they obviously didn't want to take any chance of running into each other because there was no you know the likelihood of anything good coming out. Bush, okay. Bush and Bush, Bush and, and Gore, and Gore in two thousand. They both and, and came to do. The we special. we did a split okay. screen thing oh. that was assembled, you know, yeah. from different. And um, the way the thing worked out, they ended up being first. Almost, my God, it's going to be like the next day. The, and, and then, no, it was the same day. Yeah. And then it was like they almost like ran into each other in the okay. studio. And the great thing about my memory about that is like Gore was very much tougher to convince than Bush because Bush was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And then and Gore was like, <laughs> "Gore was like, um, 
very, he, uh, he needed a lot of hand-holding, and Franken interceded because Franken knew him very well. And so uh, uh, we were able to talk him into doing this stuff. But then the, uh, we didn't have a Live from New York thing, and so I had the idea of, like, you know, Gore going, like, I, you know, normally you, 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 you know, we end these things with Live from New York, but I just don't feel this would be mm-hmm. dignified. Yeah. So, Governor. And then we got Jesse Ventura to do the Live from New York. So, <laughs> and, like, I remember on the phone, like, Ayala, one of our producers, like, calls the Minnesota governor's office, and it's like, and Jesse's in the background. It's like, they want you to do Live from New York. Yeah, fine. <laughs> and so I was like, I didn't get to see it. I'm listening in on a phone hookup. He was doing a, har- um, a hardball, and it was. And I just knew, I knew that if Jesse Ventura could do anything, he could do live from New York. Right. But he did the perfect professional wrestler kind of thing, and I just heard the way he did. It. I got, you know, I don't need to look at the thing, you know. So let's just talk about this year's election a bit to wrap up, because it's been such an amazing year. You did have to sit out a bit early on because of the writer's strike. That must have been. Yeah. No. And and. Uh, uh, that was for the greater good. <laughs> I think it helped us, though. I know you Yeah, no, no, agreed, no, no, no. But, no, uh, I, it compressed the... It, it, it just... We, we didn't have to, like, stay on top of, like, the less interesting, you know, more complicated things where there were, like, basically, you know, seven or eight candidates technically alive. And right. I think oh. by the time we got to it, it was about... Uh, Hillary and Obama. Yeah. You know, I think that Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, in that sense, it was good for us. It was just very frustrating not being on the air. Yeah. So what was it like uh, dealing with Obama, how to characterize him? There was discussion about like, who would play him and how do you, you know, well, make fun of him. Nobody was really sort of making jokes about him. I remember, uh, you know, that, that was a discussion. Like, could you... Well, we were uh, on the first show of last season. Uh, in August, we got a call from Hillary Clinton's office that she wanted to come on that show. Mm. And although we really didn't have any sort of point of view on it because she called first, uh, we said yes. Uh, and then the Obama people called a couple days later and uh, I said, no, we've already given that show away, but, uh, and the next available date was in November that he could do it. So uh, we agreed that he would do that show uh, like November 3rd. And then the week of the first show, Hillary's people decided it wouldn't be right for her to do it. And they canceled. Now, you know, I, I'm great. Would have won the nomination? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, no one transcends pettiness more quickly than I do. Uh, so <laughs> it isn't something that I would have uh, in any way. But there, there's something when... When people don't show up when they were the people who requested it, uh, mm-hmm. and not that they're not, they have important, evidently very important decisions to make. So, uh, but, but uh, my sense is, I don't know how things would have turned out if she'd been on that first show, or if Obama had been on that first show. By the time he came, sort of momentum was starting to happen yeah, with but him. It was still before Iowa, it was really interesting, like the last time, the, when, the last time we had him, you know, he came in with like, Two other guys. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be. And Jim had written a, a piece for the first show, which no, was about was her her inevitability, her inevitability, planning her in 2013 and all. Yeah, and that that sort of encapsulated what uh, more than the media thing about Obama getting that encapsulated more the way the media was at that time. And I think if she'd been there, uh, I think it would have been people would have got a glimpse into who she is more than uh, the kind of entitlement that seemed. Uh, you know, the, the way she was perceived at the time. And to continue with surreal moments, I met Obama dressed as Dennis Kucinich. You were dressed as Dennis Kucinich. I was dressed as Dennis Kucinich. <laughs> it was awesome. 
That was actually really interesting because Amy was Dennis Kucinich, Kristen Wiig was Dennis Kucinich's what? wife Hot sitting wife. in your lap. Right. And uh, Obama and was laughing really hard, and his guys were like, like, like we got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and I shook his hand with ears and a little suit. I, I think when, when uh, uh, politicians uh, overthink things and become super cautious and start eliminating things, they get farther and farther from who they are, and I think the audience senses it. Mm-hmm. Sort of my experience. You know, like, I don't know whether any of you have picked up that, uh, that McCain might represent a, a Bush third term. Was that, <laughs> has that gotten through to anybody here? <laughs> I heard something. Yeah, no, it's been mentioned. We've seen uh, some ads about that. Yeah, no, and I'm saying, you go, well, the, we got it. We're, we're right. there. Okay, now, what else? Do you have something else? Oh, you're going to go with repetition for three months? <laughs> That's your idea. I know it's a big country. I know that to reach 300 million people is really hard. You have to repeat things over and over. But I think we, we, we're there. We get it. You've made your point. Mm-hmm. Now, give us another point or show something else. Mm-hmm. And then it's easier for us to write new sketches. Yeah. Repetition hurts the sketch writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that gives some idea, I guess, about how you might approach dealing with Obama in further sketches. Looking at this race, which has so many twists and turns and interesting characters and you know, unexpected things. Just if you could, t- you know, talk for a bit about just how you're looking at the race and what sort of things you're picking up on. I think we're all pretty anxious for that first debate. Yeah. I think that'll be uh, um, uh, a very interesting thing to see at this point because, um, you know, as far as like when the when the um, ads sort of um, devolve and sort of attacky ads, that they're really hard to sort of parody because they're already a little silly to begin with. So I mean, ideally, you know, we'll see them talking about. Uh, issues and have a way to sort of make that comic rather than taking things that to some eyes are already comic enough mm-hmm. um, you know uh, you know when, when they're talking about like the whole like you know lipstick on a pig thing seems like it's ripe for comedy but when you actually try to sit down and have a take on it it's sort of like well this is this is yeah. sort of too ridiculous to right. even talk about and Obama's speech at the convention which couldn't I mean was so heroic and strong and and delivered perfectly you know there's a you can't sort of do the parody of that, yeah. but I think you can in a debate when uh, you start to see because they're off guard, wow. and the off guard moments is how that's the glimpse we get of like I'm not sure about that guy. Well, yeah. I was going to say, well, speaking for myself, I, I mean, I, I to me, he's the scariest person to write for of of, of in my entire run at the show. I mean, Obama, yeah, because he's 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 so fucking smooth, and and it's he doesn't he doesn't. Um, He's like a master jewel thief, like in a 1950s movie who, you know, never leaves any fingerprints. No one ever saw anything. No one heard anything. And I mean, I'm not, and this isn't, no, I'm, I'm saying he's, he's just really impressive as a figure. And, and I talk to people from other, you know, uh, the South Park guys say the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, uh, other comics, so they, they, they go, wow, he doesn't have many handles, does he? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the... I, like for someone like me, like like Al Gore was someone who was like right. a gift that would keep on giving, but he didn't. He didn't. You know, for me, a lot of people thought like, "Oh God, well, you're, you're lucky." Bush won, you know, the Florida thing, and I, I really I didn't feel that way at all. I thought Gore was a much richer uh, yeah. thing. Whereas whereas Obama is just um, uh, he's tough. He, he's um, and I don't know any. I, I've seen people like who think they have the. Uh, handle that. I mean, at least, at least I don't think it's that good. But, but um, I mean, so far there's been enough other things going on, like Hillary, Sarah Palin, 
it's inevitably we're going to have to have Obama and McCain. Yeah. 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 I'm going to be sick that week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and what about McCain? What do you see in him as uh, something to mine? Well, he obviously has lots of, like, the, you know, the my friends kind of, you know, I mean, he's got the, Daryl does a very good impression of him that, that um, it's a work in progress. It's yeah. constantly in flux. I'm, yeah. you know, um, but he's a little easier. I mean, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I mean, think that side of the we ticket. We were going to do an easy N1. side. We were going to do Jim had written an in one for Daryl as McCain, and then we got McCain and uh, uh, Jim Robone for McCain. You know, who, who's ever in charge? That's we're pretty much opposed. So uh, you know, the more you get. You can't get close, as it were, you know, and you can't you can't go in with your own politics, yeah. you know, uh, you know, and if, if people are way over the line, you have to. That's what you do. So, in a way, back in November, when it seemed like Hillary was inevitable, you were poking uh, fun at her, and then Obama seemed, you know, you were poking fun at Obama when he was. Well, top. I wouldn't say, and I wrote it not really yeah. against Obama. It was more the media, and it was just right. yeah. it was kind of a combination of the. You know, people feel about Obama like that this is different. This is more more than just winning election. This is about, you know, putting the race problem behind us. And, and, and the fact that he is kind of inspiring. You know, to me, like in my lifetime, he's the best I've ever seen. I mean, I guess people go back to JFK as the only analogous thing. But they also, there was also an issue of, of there's something about Hillary. It was like she was a stand-in for her husband to just for punishment. And he wasn't around anymore. And I just, there was a certain... It began, I think, with her vote against or vote for the Iraq War resolution because that gave like the Daily Coast people like a reason to hate her, which sustained Obama for that whole first right. year. Because without, if she'd voted against the war resolution, I swear she'd have been the nominee because there would have been no rationale for Obama's candidacy. And and um, but when I what I saw, especially the MSNBC, I watch almost nothing but MSNBC. <laughs> but um, but when when you saw the way they were just, they really were relishing just going, you know laying into her. It just made a nice kind of thing, and I, and I, you know, obviously those pieces were, were sort of Hillary heavy, you know. Uh, Fred was just sort of finding the impression, which is a really, it's a tough thing to, to get down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess just one last sort of thing about Obama, because it goes back to something you said about likability, this whole uh-huh. way that likability, um, and it seems like, as you were, you were talking about, if, you know, what's the flaw here? But he, that's one thing he seems to have trouble with, like, like appearing to be emotional or hit people on a gut well, he's level. Not, he doesn't have vulnerability because he isn't vulnerable. Right, but that is something that, <laughs> um, that, that like, is valued in politicians, this whole idea that you want to have a beer with them or they connect with people. Uh, in the like time that. that he was with us, for the few hours yeah. that he was with us, he was uh, in, you know, incredibly impressive and charming. Yeah. There wasn't anything he didn't get or anything. I, yeah. I just I'll think... You. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, you know. Well, I mean, I, I, I grew up in Illinois, and so... I mean, he was going, there was like a receiving line, you know, yeah. people were, you know, and like, he's going, how do you do that? Like, I'm like, hey, I'm from Joliet. And sort of the politician right. charm beam comes on. Yeah. He's, he's quoting like street intersections yeah. in my town to, <laughs> you know, let me know that he's, he's a real hands-on senator. Yeah, right. Um, but I sort of like that. I like the, but you know, like a lot of people, a lot of politicians, you, you would like want to have a beer with or think they're really cool guys. And with Obama, it's like you want, you want to get his autograph. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a little. There's a. It's a different thing. <laughs> and there, the, you know, obviously the the celebrity ad and the all of that right. put them on on some kind of defensive thing because you go, why, why are you paying any attention to this? But uh, right. 
seems to work. That's why. Yeah, evidently, it did. Yeah. I'll take a shower with him. I'll let you know. And <laughs> <laughs> with Joe Biden too? Or? Yeah, sure, all of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. If I had a dime for every guy she's taking a shower. <laughs> 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 this is vodka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to end on that note. So, uh, anyhow, we'll be watching every Saturday night till the election's over and beyond that. So, Hopefully, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being thank with you. us. Thank you for listening. The Pinewood Dialogues at Museum of the Moving Image are made possible by generous support from the Pannonia Foundation. To learn more about the museum, visit www.movingimage.us.